Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad, along with Robbie Falk from 24-7 Sports, give you an inside look at the Bulldogs on the field, the court, and the diamond. Now, get ready for Thunder and Lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk here with you on a Thursday morning. Thanks for joining us at supertalk.fm or wherever it is that you get podcasts from. Appreciate all you guys out there, our great listeners, especially our servicemen and women out there taking care of us. We want to thank our sponsors over at Strange Brew Coffeehouse and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. Start your day the right way with a trip to the drive-thru over at Strange Brew Coffeehouse here in Starkville or at Brupolo over in Tupelo. Somebody let Bart Gregory know that it would be a little weird if Brupolo was in Nanawoya. Did I say it right? You can't have him. Yeah, you did. Okay. Could not have any competition with a Warrior One Stop. No, no, no. We don't need that. No. Still haven't made my way. I still haven't made my way out there yet. I need to do that. The Reeds have already infiltrated Winston County with Woody's. Yeah, it's true. They they they've already staked their claim in Knoxapater. I don't, I don't know what I don't know how that would go along in Nanawoya. We don't need it. We don't need it. So let's just stick to the ones we have. And, of course, if you are in Nanawoya or anywhere in our great state and you want Strange Brew Coffee, all you've got to do is go to strangebrewcoffeehouse.com and place your order for shipping. They'll ship it right to your door. Whatever kind of coffee machine you've got in your house, well, then you've got you taken care of at Strange Brew Coffeehouse. By the way, Brian, you, you yeah. still have a free coffee at Strange Brew, according to Becky. Becky was in there yesterday. Mm-hmm. So apparently, apparently she checks the board like periodically because I'm not in Starkville much mm -hmm. and she's like sneaking around seeing if there's anything free for me in there. Like if somebody's bought something for me to see if she can snatch it. See, I used to stop and get my wife a coffee all the time because I was taking my daughter to the partnership school at the time, which is the one that's out off of 82 connected to the campus. Right. Yeah. And then my wife's office was right across the street from our neighborhood. But now. Neither of my kids go there. I don't drive past Strange Brew at any point. And her office is now up North Jackson Street, all the way up off past the bypass. You know, and what where her office was is now where they're building the Aldi and the 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 rack room shoes and the pet smart and all that. So I don't know. I just don't yep. get there as often. But I'll see what I can do. I'll see what I can do. Get that coffee taken care of. But thank you for letting me know. Uh college quarter, collegecornerstore.com. That's the place to find. Maroon and white merchandise that you can't find just anywhere else. You can only find it at College Corner because only College Corner has the biggest and best selection in central Mississippi. Two locations in the Jackson area to serve you. They're in Ridgeland by Fleet Feet. They're in Flowood by the Half Shell. Or you can always shop online at collegecornerstore.com. Humble Taco, Starville's best Mexican restaurant over there on University Drive. It's just great. It's awesome. The tacos are the best in town, and they're different from everybody else's. Everybody else has got the same old, same old. You go, you go to one Mexican restaurant in this town, you've pretty much been to them all, but not at Humble Taco, a different kind of Mexican, Mexican fare with Mississippi roots. This football season, make sure that ta Humble Taco is on your to-do list every time you come to Starkville. 
Make an easy decision for lunch today and go to Firehouse Subs. Download the free Firehouse Subs app. You place your order. It's ready within minutes. You pick it up. And not only do you get a great sandwich, you got reward points in the bank. So the next time you want to order a sandwich, it might be on the house. Thanks to Firehouse Subs. Firehouse Subs is also somebody you should follow on Twitter. Follow them at Firehouse Subs. They are always doing giveaways and deals and stuff like that. So check them out. Locations in Starville and Oxford, Columbus and Tupelo, Floyd and Madison, Firehouse Subs. Today, Robbie, we will dive into the very heart of darkness. We will be previewing the LSU Tigers. <laughs> Getting nervous already. I'm already thinking about... Gosh, it's about a month. It's a month from today is that game as we're recording. And, uh, of course, not before that, we'll have the traditional Hey Dad, Augustinelli family reunion. This is our show podcast where we have to talk to the to Marty and Chris. Nobody wants that. I, I still, uh, I really wish we, we could have heard Chris's rebuttal after the 2020. It was... <laughs> I, I think you tried. Did you try to call pitched. him? Yes. Did you try to call him like right yeah. after the game? Because yeah, I'm like, he wasn't I was like please put that on the speaker. He wasn't answering. It was very high pitched when I found Howard. Out. Yeah. Uh, but that said, we're going to talk about LSU right now. In the second half of the show, we'll talk about the count. We'll do the countdown. Two games today. We've also got an interview that will pop up in just a minute with uh with Wilson Alexander, who covers the Tigers for the Baton Rouge Advocate. But Robbie, you and I were talking a little bit about this game yesterday. It came up in the rumblings about the importance of this game and how this is, you know, this is State's first, you know, in a season full of swing games, this is the first one. And I definitely agree with you that it can go a long way in terms of confidence, in terms of building momentum. Because like like we've said before, you, you feel like State will get that bowling green green game the next week. The chance to be 4-0 playing Texas A&M here in Starkville and having a really big crowd, it's huge. Whereas if you say it's three and one, it's going to be a lot of, well, oh, it's, it's just the same old, same old. And, you know, they're going to win some and lose some. Maybe though, I don't know. It's a lot of, I don't know. But beating LSU for the second straight time in Tiger Stadium, which I don't think state's, I would be positive state hasn't done since the 80s. That would be a, that would be a pretty big statement for Mississippi State, for Mike Leach, for Will Rogers, and for everybody. Absolutely. It's what we talked about yesterday. I, I still think you and I will think much differently about this team if that actually happens. Um, you know, it's one thing to talk about, you know, that being a possibility. When it actually happens, you know, in 2014, we all we all thought that LSU would probably win that game. We thought State had a chance. When it actually happened, when State actually won that ball game, there's just something about going in the Tiger Stadium and beating LSU um, th- that it was a statement. 2020 was a statement. I know they didn't follow it up, but that was a statement win by Mississippi State. This would be a statement win by the Bulldogs because you look at that schedule. I feel like we're maybe not, you know, rushing, but, you know, Arizona feels like a game that could be very dangerous Mm -hmm. for Mississippi State. Sure. Uh, But, you know, just for the lack of this com- – or, or for the point of this conversation, we'll say that Mississippi State is 2-0 and going into the LSU game. You win this game, you're going to be 4-0 and going into A&M, and we continue to talk about that. That could be Mississippi State's – maybe not to the extent as it was in 14, but that could be very similar to 2014 for Mississippi State. I think if they beat LSU, they're making a huge jump in the polls. <clears throat> then you beat Bowling Green. 
you're probably sitting somewhere inside the top 15, mm-hmm. getting towards the top 10. Mm-hmm. You beat A&M, and then you got Arkansas that's probably going to be a top 15 team. That's back-to-back weeks right there that could be very, very similar to that A&M-Auburn um, back-to-back weekend They'll series you, that yeah, you yeah. had there. So, I mean, this could be a jump start to what could be a very big season for Mississippi State. And it could, to me, it could change a whole lot of things in this year for the Bulldogs because I think the state team is talented to contend with just about anybody outside of Alabama. Mm-hmm. I think they could, I think they can even play with Georgia. I'm, I'm not going to go out on a limb and say they're going to win that game, but, I mean, just if, you're, if you get through that LSU game and you're sitting there at 4-0, and then you beat A&M, and then you beat Arkansas. I mean, you start looking at some pretty special things here for Mississippi State this season. I think this is a very, very big game for the Bulldogs. And then focusing on on LSU, I mean, this is the perfect time to play them, isn't it? Playing them in week three. You know, they've played Florida State, but I don't know how much we can really take away from that game. I expect Florida State to not be very good this year. Then they have yeah. Southern University at home. They, they still have a ton of questions surrounding them. Uh, Jaden Daniels looks like he's got the inside track to be that starting quarterback. He's a guy that, I mean, he was a good to above, above, above average to good quarterback in the Pac 12. That doesn't scare you. Yeah. I mean, let's just put it to you this way. And I know this, the circumstances are totally different, but KJ Costello was a much better Pac 12 quarterback than Jaden Daniels was. Yeah. Um, so this just feels like, you know, it feels like everything's sort of right. This is the time to play them. I think back to 2014, I would not have said that that was the time to play LSU. You know, the fourth game, and I, I just, you know, I, I, I didn't I didn't look at it as like, that's a great opportunity. Now, by the time the game rolled around, I thought, okay, State could, could play well and win this game. But I wasn't in, in July, you know, thinking, or August thinking that that game was, you know, Right for the taking. It really feels like this one is. It feels like there's a great opportunity for Mississippi State, who a season ago moved the football in LSU, and really, it was the same. It was the same story that we saw a lot in 2021. It was State's own mistakes that doomed them. A couple of turnovers, especially a couple of early turnovers, and then as you've mentioned in the past, the the, the penalty on the punt, where State had a lot of momentum and gave it away with with the. Uh, you know, breaking the punch shield, jumping over the punch shield penalty that ended up be- leading to an LSU touchdown. I felt like State had every opportunity to beat LSU a season ago. They did beat them two seasons ago. This is a series that has become incredibly competitive after two decades of it being totally uncompetitive. Everything sort of points towards this being a potential upset, and that's what it's going to be. LSU will be favored in this game. And everything sort of points, though, that Mississippi State has a great chance to go down there and get this win. I think they, I think they very well could. I just, I keep turning to the fact that it's Tiger Stadium at night. It takes a mm-hmm. pretty special team to go in there and win. Even you know, a lot of times when when LSU is not that great, but you're correct. This is the time to get them. This is the time to get them early in the season. They haven't been uh, going up against great competition. I think State's going to play better teams early in the schedule. I think Memphis is going to be a competitive team. I think Arizona is going to be a better team than they were last year, and that's on the road. Uh, and I mean, that's not a it's, it's not a super tough schedule before you get to LSU, but you're going to at least be challenged a little bit. I'm not expecting LSU to have seen much of a challenge at that point. So, I think there's a chance here. 
Um, and this would be incredible exposure. It's on ESPN. It's it's nighttime in Tiger Stadium. I would enjoy seeing a really good ball game. My first trip to Tiger Stadium. That would be nice. So um, you know, we'll see what happens. I I think State has the team to do it. This is a lot similar to that fourteen team in that. You had so many guys that have had so much experience, yes, Mm -hmm. playing in this league. You know, Jet Johnson is a player that didn't play a whole lot in 2020, Mm -hmm. but he's been inside that stadium. He's been inside Sanford Stadium at at Georgia. He's played now, he's played in a lot of ball games last year. He should be ready for this moment. All those guys on defense should be ready. Mm-hmm. All those guys on the offensive side of the ball should be ready. Will Rogers has gone to one of the toughest environments in college football and won a ball game in Texas A&M. So you have the personnel to, to compete, and you have the experience that this shouldn't be something that just melts this team when they go into it. And that's what you have to have against LSU. You have to take a wave. There's going to be a, a – you know. Remember on Point Break that like forty foot wave that they that he tried to surf, like that's what that's what you're gonna get. For the fifty year storm, yeah. How could you yeah, forget that, that? That's what you're gonna get at LSU. If you can somehow make it through that, you can win that ball game. And Dak Prescott made it through that. the The team was starting to kind of fall apart there, and Dak was able to will himself to getting over that hump. And State was on a roll after that. So. There's going to come a time in that ball game where that 50-foot wave is right there on Mississippi State. Can Will Rogers navigate that? Can the defense get a stop? That's going to be the the key. Or will they see you in the next life, brah? That's right. There we go. I like that. The the 50-year storm. Tiger Stadium as as a natural disaster. I'm totally down with that, to be totally honest. Of course, I don't know know if that's the best analogy because he actually was engulfed by that wave. Yes, yeah, that's that's the problem. He did not be, he did not beat the wave, but you know. But I see what you're getting. Let, at. Let's just let let's not go that far. Yeah, I I, I see what you're, you're you're trying to get at for sure. All right, let's let's take a minute here and now talk to Wilson Alexander. He's been covering the Tigers for quite a while uh, for the Advocate down there in Baton Rouge. Let's hear what somebody down on the Bayou has to say about the LSU Tigers. Joining me now here on the podcast, my friend Wilson Alexander from down there in Baton Rouge. He covers the LSU Tigers for the Advocate. No chance that Bo Pelini's making a one-time reappearance for this game that Mississippi State fans can look forward to? No, unfortunately for Mississippi State, Bo Pelini will be nowhere near the sideline. <laughs> it's a shame. It's a shame. It really is. First year of Brian Kelly, you know, I feel like LSU might have more questions than anybody else in the West. New coach, new quarterback, just a lot of unknowns down there in Tiger Stadium. Can LSU in year one of Brian Kelly, can they be successful by LSU standards? Maybe not by LSU's, you know, fan bases sort of lofty uh, expectations. You know, it would be a, a shock if this team won ten games. I mean, gosh, if they were able to do that, that'd be an incredible turnaround here in year one. But they also get the sense talking to a lot of fans, at least the more reasonable ones, that they understand that this might take a minute to all come together. That you know, they still want to see eight and four, and even that's going to be difficult playing in the SEC West. Um, but I think there is sort of this understanding that okay. This is the first year. It might not be exactly what we're wanting, you know, a 10-win season competing for titles, but um, they want to certainly want to see some progress and some change, and that is possible. When I think about LSU through the years, basically for the past two decades, really, they're a team that's always had superstars, always had guys that were great all-SEC, all all-American players who would go on to the NFL. 
this team, you know, if you said who's the best player at LSU this year, I, I have to think about it. I don't really know right off the top of my head. Who are the potential superstars on this LSU team? Those would be Kayshawn Butte, wide receiver. He's going to be wearing number seven. He was on track to, if not win it, then certainly become a finalist for the Bulletnikoff last year uh, before he had an injury. Mm-hmm. And then B.J. Ojolari is another one who could really stand out this year. He was a preseason first team uh, defensive lineman. Uh, he's going to be kind of an edge rusher. Uh, occasionally drop back into coverage, playing out of a two-point stance, but mainly getting me after the passer. Those are the two who come to mind. And then I, I think a sleeper who people should really start paying attention to is Malik Neighbors. He has flashes as a freshman, uh, kind of came on late during the year, but his hands are incredibly strong. He makes so many tough catches in traffic. He creates a lot of separation to really crisp route runner. They've got him coming running out of the slot, and he's been impressive throughout camp. People are here in Starkville are going to be mad hearing about Malik Neighbors, but signing day flip still remembered here uh, at Mississippi State. Jaden Daniels comes in from Arizona State. He was a good quarterback at Arizona State. I feel like that's that's a very fair description of him. Now he comes to the SEC. It looks like he has the inside track for the starting job. You know, you've seen him in camp. What do you think of Jaden Daniels? He looks better as a passer than he did in the spring. Back in the spring, they started tweaking his footwork. And Jaden didn't say much about how significant that was when asked about it yesterday, but it was something that was kind of an ongoing process. And Brian Kelly said that it was leading to some inconsistencies because, you know, had to kind of work through that and push through those growing pains to, in the long run, make him a more consistent and accurate passer. And you're seeing that, I think, at times, this this camp. He looks better, more confident. You know, he's got through some good balls over the middle. Uh, he, he's been making good decisions. I, I haven't seen him, at least in the you know sort of limited viewings that we've had, I haven't really seen him throw an interception, though Brian Kelly said that I think there was some in the red zone at practice yesterday from both him and Nussmeyer. He, it, though, in a, you know, it was just one drive today, but their full team period started off, and he, he led a really efficient drive for a touchdown. Uh, he was precise, and, and he was making pretty good decisions. He's also just so athletic. Um, that when a, something breaks down, he can create so many plays with his legs. There was a you know a time where LSU versus Florida State would have been an absolute you know top five matchup, no question about it. I don't have a whole lot of faith in Florida State this year. I think LSU is going to win that that opener pretty easily. What can we learn about the Tigers in, in Week One against Florida State? We can certainly, like you said, it, it might not be the best measuring stick because of where Florida State has been as a program, but you're still going to learn. Ca- you know, how many questions are still remaining on this team? You know, there's been so much that they've had to figure out in camp. We'll kind of come out of that game knowing, okay, are there still things that have to be decided and figure out before you get to the SEC schedule? Or are they going to be able to kind of just build some continuity and improve? You'll also probably get a sense of how much they've just responded to Brian Kelly. You know, if they come out, if they lay an egg in the opener, and that's not a great sign. Um, but they come out, they play hard, uh, physical, uh, and sort of, you know, the elements that he wants to see. And that'll be a good sign for what they maybe can do the rest of the year and, and setting up through the rest of his tenure if they're able to play well in, you know, in his first game. It's been a rough couple of years for LSU defensively after you know a decade plus of dominating the conference. But since Dave Aranda left, you know these last two years obviously have not been what you expect from LSU defense. What is this team going to look like on that side of the ball? There's a lot of athletes on that side of the ball, particularly with starting with the defensive front, Mason Smith, B.J. Ojolari, Ali Gay, Jacqueline Roy. Those are all guys who could end up being first or second round picks, maybe you know third round at the latest in the NFL draft. And you've got all four of them on the front. Uh, that They anchor that entire group. 
Um, but there's a fairly actually deep secondary that has got some good players in there. You think about like Jerick Brown Converse, who's an all Big 12 selection at Oklahoma State last year. Major Burns, who is coming off an injury and has been really impressive, getting a lot of first-team reps over Joe Fouché, who's a proven SEC starter at Arkansas. They, they've got some solid players there. The linebacker core is unproven, but also has some options. So I think there's maybe a defense with high upside. Um, I don't know how low or high the floor of this defense is, but they're going to be doing a lot of different they, – they're going to be really multiple. We saw today in practice running two and three linebacker sets. They've had three and four down linemen, uh, mostly three. Um, but it, it's going to be interesting to see what Matt House does with that group that that does have some upside. Where is this team weak, in your opinion? Where, where if you're if you're coaching Mississippi State, where would you attack LSU? I would start by trying to get after those cornerbacks downfield. I mean, you know, obviously Mississippi State with the air raid, you know, that's what they're going to try to do. And and LSU just doesn't have a, a proven group in this in the secondary. Brian Kelly said coming into preseason camp, there was a lot of hoping and wishing. Now, they turned that into more concrete answers. He feels that it has said over the last couple of weeks that he feels a lot better about the options that they have in the secondary. Thinks that they can go four, even six deep at outside cornerback, which was a, a position that was completely gutted. Uh, and, and all new starters there um, from what they had last year. Well, how much can that come together? They're going to be able to communicate. That stuff sometimes can take time. Um, and, and we just don't know how well they can keep up. Uh, that's probably one of their weaknesses. Um, the others uh, may be on the offensive line, which was a group that struggled last year. They've got five new starters there. You know, if you can if you can cause stress uh, on that group, then you can disrupt what LSU wants to do offensively because everything starts with the offensive line for LSU. They want to be able to run the football and be physical on the front. Those are the two biggest question mark positions on this team, and you know things maybe be trend, might be trending in a better direction than going what you thought going into preseason camp, uh, but it hasn't been proven yet. This is a series that it was uncompetitive for, for two decades. LSU won 21 out of 22 uh, from 1991 to 2013. In 14, when State wins in Baton Rouge, since then, it's been a much more competitive series. State has picked up three wins in that time frame, and the games themselves have been close, whereas before, it was consistently 30, 40-point wins for the Tigers. It's not like State has started recruiting at a much higher level or LSU has had a downturn in recruiting. The talent gap is still there. In your opinion, why has this become a more competitive series? Well, a lot of that, I guess, that we've been looking at it has been under, you know, a chunk of that was under Ed Orgeron. And, you know, they obviously there was that that game coming right out in 2020 that I think everybody would probably remember the most. But they also, you know, got them in, in uh, what was it, I think, 17, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that you know, uh, big upset there too. And, um, for whatever reason, um, you know, it's, I think maybe some poorly coached games on LSU's front and also just Mississippi state playing well. I mean, you know, Dan Mullen had that program rock in there for, for a minute and, um, you know, and, and turned them into certainly a more annual contender. Um, and someone that you have to, to worry about and pay attention to. And now with the air raid, you, you've got to be able to know exactly how you're going to defend that. Cause it can be so tricky. Um, and got tripped up LSU in 2020. So, yeah, like you said, LSU has recruited at a higher level, but you know Mississippi State has gotten better as a program, and they've caught LSU, uh, at least in 2020 in particular, uh, in a down year. Should be a really interesting game in Week 3. Could determine how these both of these team seasons goes uh, from that point forward. Wilson Alexander from The Advocate in Baton Rouge. Thanks so much, man. Always appreciate your time. Thanks so much for having me, Brian. All right, thanks to Wilson. Appreciate his time. Uh, and it, John, just jumping on with us for uh, for a few minutes there, and yeah, Robbie, you know, just 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 sort of finishing this up for Mississippi State. 
first of all, I, I think playing LSU early in the season is definitely the way to go because they are a team that you, you know that depth isn't an issue for them. So if you get them later in the season, it doesn't really help you. They're not a team sort of like maybe like Arkansas would be a team you want to play late because they haven't recruited stacked on stacked on stacked five-star classes, so they don't have the same depth. Whereas as LSU, I mean, the guy backing up the guy is still a stud. So getting them early when they still got questions, when Brian Kelly is still trying to figure out lineups and pieces and moving stuff around, for me, it, this is the opportune time to play them. You've got a veteran team. You've got a, uh, you know, you've got a good coach. You've got a good quarterback. Everything's in place for Mississippi State. Let's take the opposite angle here for a second, though. What do we think of Mississippi State if they go down there and they don't play well and they take not only a loss, but you know, they they lose by two, three touchdowns? Yeah, that's 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 the that's the next question. I mean, we we talked about what could happen for this team if they win. Getting blown out would not be good. Right. I don't think you know, especially for the morale for this team and. You know, we've seen situations like this. State start off two or three and zero during the Dan Mullen era. I mean, even Joe Moorhead, and then just completely lay an egg in that first SEC game. This is always, you know, one of the toughest ones to go into an SEC environment and and win a ball game like that. It, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, they could go either way for for State, but I mean, the good news is you have Bowling Green the week after. Mm. Which I think gives you a chance to reset, no matter what. So I don't think you're you're looking at a right. a game that could really negatively impact you, because I think we've both predicted LSU to win this game. I, so, I currently, I was about to say I, I wasn't sure who you had in this game, but yeah, right now I, I've got the Tigers taking this. Yeah, so I mean, it it's not a make or break. To, I mean, I think it can help make your season, but it's not going to to really hinder Mississippi State getting to eight wins, in my opinion. But I think it could get you to nine. Right. This, this, this feels sort of like a bonus game, right? It feels like if you lose, you're still okay. you still got plenty of opportunities. But if you win, all of a sudden you can start talking about, you know, big bowls. You can start talking about, you know, if things go well, can you be in the Peach Bowl or the Orange Bowl or something like that? So we will see. We'll see where it takes us. Always a fascinating game. Mississippi State and LSU get together, especially like we said since since 2014. I mean, what State won? They lost by two. They lost by three. They won in 17. Lost by I think 13 and 18. Obviously in 19 they got blown out by the national champions, and they win last two years ago, and then last year they lose by three. When you consider that with the previous 20 years, where I think the average margin of victory, give or take a point, was probably 48. Oh, I got a phone call. Oh, nice. He's calling me. Yeah, th- this has been a much more competitive series of late. And it's not like LSU has just been awful. I mean, they just won a national championship in 2019. So, <sighs> did you listen to anything I said? You said it's about being more competitive and talk about 2019. Yes, I, I heard you. Okay. So, you know, see how long it rings at this point. It's kind of funny. Is it still ringing? Yeah. Okay, can you, you not you hear it? Well, you can you can barely hear it, so it's not, okay. it's not that bad. Yeah, maybe you should just unplug it. I, well, I just I thought I turned the ringer off, but I guess I didn't. Off. Okay. Nope. Didn't work. Is this is this black phone? I don't know. This is the black phone. Answer I don't know what's it. going on. Answered, hey dad. We got to find out how to get out of that room. Oh, they gave up. They gave up. Moving on with our lives now. 
That was funny. I wonder. I can't wait to hear the audio now to see how much louder it is on my end than yours, and see see what the uh, the listener the listeners' experience is. Uh, right, well, if I if I'm not hearing it much in mine, I mm-hmm. I have a feeling it's not coming through as much. Let's let's hope you're right. Everything I don't know. All right. Well, let's move on into the second half of the show. That's brought to you by our friends over at the Mississippi Beef Council, who want to remind you that beef it's what's for dinner. When you're thinking about cooking out this weekend. Going to be a great weekend to do it. Only got a couple more free weekends before the uh, start of football season when you'll be traveling and, and heading out to see the Bulldogs or whoever. Beef is what you want to throw on the grill. Nothing beats the sizzle of beef on the grill. So grab some steaks, grab a couple fillets, grab some burgers, or just, and just do it up. Whatever you want to do. Don't forget, you know, when you're talking about you know beef, it's so versatile. It takes any number of rubs, takes any number of seasonings, any number of sauces. However you like to cook your beef, cook it. Unless it's well done. I am I am a snob for that. I won't lie. I don't I don't I don't I don't like to see that. But you know what? I'm not gonna stop you. And that's a perfectly good observation by you. I mean I think we have to question these people that basically well burn their people. meat. The well done. I gotta people. question that. I mean it's it's just it's just strange. Yeah. It's already dead when you buy it from the store. You don't have to kill it twice. That's what I always say. All right. Beef, it's what's for dinner. Thanks to our friends at the Mississippi Beef Council. Two Brothers Smoked Meats in the heart of the Cotton District is the place to find smoked southern soul food. It's just good, man. It's always good. The people are nice. Food's great. Drinks are always cold. They always got plenty of different uh, local beers, or if you want to grab a craft cocktail, they'll take care of that as well. Got all sorts of options there, and it's just one of the best places in town. Sit there and people watch from the patio or from the... uh, the outside seating or just head upstairs to the balcony and enjoy yourself in a fun time in the cotton district. There's a lot going on and you want to be a part of it at two brothers smoked meats, great products, great service. Every business promises it, but who delivers on it? Well, advantage business systems does, and they do it. And they have been doing it for 47 years. That's a long time to stay in business for anybody. Nobody's staying open that long unless their customers are taken care of. So when you need products and services for your business, when you need copiers and printers, computers, laptops, any kind of technology, you call Advantage Business Systems. And if you have an issue, you have a problem, you make the call right back to them and they take care of it. In many cases, that very same day. That's the benefit of doing business with local people, with Mississippians just like you. The number is 601-362-9192, or you can visit them online at absms.com. Find out how Advantage Business Systems will help your business do business. Two games today on the countdown. One that I'll be able to talk a great deal about, and one I cannot because I was not alive. But it is a very significant game, uh, in my opinion. But we will start at number 10. We're in the top 10 now, Robbie. Um, 1996, Mississippi State 17, Alabama 16. This is the game that sparks the run for Mississippi State. For the next four years, they would win the West. They'd have a 10-win season, and they were the best overall program in terms of wins in the SEC West. And it started on this night in uh, Starkville, a cold November night. It started off very ominously with a parachuter beefing it right there on the field. Thought he was dead. I'm not going to lie to you. I thought he was a goner, but thankfully he, he was not. He was fine. Um, I'll never forget that as long as I live. <laughs> um, and then, you know, I don't think people realize, and I don't know, you know, with Larry Templeton in charge, I can't say for sure, right? 
But, you know, State had gone to a bowl in 94, and then in 95, they'd only won three games. And at this point in the season, they're three and five, if I'm correct. Is that right? Three and five, they lose this one. Then they win in four and six. Yeah, I think I have it right. And, I mean, I don't know if Jackie Sherrill, you know, if he doesn't pull out Alabama and Ole Miss in these two out of these last three games, I don't know that he's, I don't know what the rest of his tenure would have looked like. I don't know that 97 was promised to him at that point. This was a big year. Because 95 was not, you know, 95 was not great. Yeah. If I remember correctly. And I, I remember there was a lot of pressure on him at this point. He needed some big wins this year. In the 97, he needed to have a really good year. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, he goes to bowls three of his first four years, and you're like, okay, State's start, starting to roll a little bit. And then he has back-to-back years with no bowls. But he has these two games. He beats Ole Miss 20 to 20, or 17 to nothing um, in the Egg Bowl two weeks after this. But to beat Alabama, to finally break through for the first time since 1980, really, I mean, that put the, the rocket under Jackie for the next four years. Uh, at Mississippi State, a game that saw it was very typical Mississippi State Alabama game in that in this time frame, and that state got out to an early lead. Alabama comes back to get the lead, but this time, for a change, Mississippi State is able to get a comeback that sparked by a tremendous catch and run by Reggie Kelly. He took a short pass and ran it all the way down deep into Alabama territory, leads to a Brian Hazelwood field goal. And then a defensive stand at the end of the game. And for the first time that I am aware of, there's the phone again. This thing, I, this is this is the black phone, Brian. See if I can unplug this here. Let's see what happens if I just unplug everything here. There's a dead person trying to tell you. You a just unplugged person. it. I unplugged you, it and it's still ringing. So obviously there's a ghost involved. Oh my god! And in the black phone, the guys like trapped the kids trapped in like a you know, a room or whatever, and there's a phone on the wall that supposedly doesn't work mm-hmm. and it and it rings all the time and it's dead people talking to the to the kid telling him how to get out of there. That that's what's happening right now. Somebody's telling you somebody's trying to tell you how to get out of that room right now. Yeah. I I can't I, I mean the fact that I have the uh the ringer off and you can it's still ringing is is something. I don't know that's how really, what that's really it. weird. That that little, is little disturbing. Yeah, something's something's then, going on there. Something paranormal. Well, you know what? If I go, I just go. You know, take over for me. Avenge me, if you will. Avenge me. I need to make it stop. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to do there. This is anyway. great radio. It is. It is. Anyway, I don't remember. Prior to this, Davis Wade Stadium, the, the, the it's very possible, and I don't know for a fact. And if one of the of our older fans wants to let me know, you feel free to do so. Uh, but when was the last time somebody took they took the field at Davis Wade Stadium? Could it have been when Ole Miss fans did it, and we ended up with the Egg Bowl trophy? I don't know the answer to that. So uh, didn't didn't uh, Shea Townsend play for that Alabama team? 96. 96. I think he's gone by then. I'm pretty sure he was there. I, 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 I mean, no, you know what? If only we had a device. If only there was a device. 
So Deshay Townsend, he's the same age as me, so he should he might he might have been on this team. Let's 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 have a look. Deshay Townsend played yeah, he was on this team. So that means that Dwayne Rudd would have been too. Is that right? I remember I watched this game on ESPN, I think. Oh yeah, it was, night, it was, it was a game. It was a night game on ESPN, one of those uh you know, like, and this was like a late, this wasn't a, a 6 p.m. kickoff. I want to say this was like an 8 p.m. kickoff. This was a very, yeah. And I had yeah, Dwayne Rudd on this team as well. So two Mississippi guys right there off the bat. Freddie Kitchens, who, of course, would end up being a future MSU assistant coach, uh, was the quarterback for the Crimson Tide. Gene Stallings was the head coach. There you go. So Mississippi State 17, Alabama 16. That's your uh, game, our first game to catch up on here. And our second one, not going to take us a lot of time to talk about it because I don't know the details. But from 1964, Mississippi State 20, Ole Miss 17. Why is this game historically significant? Do you know the answer, Robbie? In the 60s? No, 1964. This is State's first win over Ole Miss in 18 years. Oh, I, th- I think we had talked about that. We did. Briefly. Vaught yeah. was 15-0-3 against Mississippi State at this coming into this game. And there it is. State finally gets the win <laughs> over the Rebels. My God, can you imagine an 18-year stretch of losing the Egg Bowl? That's unbelievable. I mean, there, there, there are people that were graduating high school that had never seen Mississippi State beat Ole Miss in their life. Correct. And that has been, you know, that's almost the difference in the series. Mm-hmm. That stretch right there is almost the difference in the series. It's basically been even mm-hmm. outside of that stretch. I that found Johnny Vault owned. I found a box score in an article about this game from the New York Times of all places. Let's read the uh, the headline here: Mississippi State's luckless injury plagued Maroons backed heavily favored Mississippi into a corner early and then hung on to whip the Rebels today for the first time in 18 years, 20-17. to 17. Dan Bland was the big man for State in the bruising Southeastern Conference game. He set up the field goal that sent Mississippi State ahead in the closing seconds of the first half and intercepted a pass late in the fourth quarter that led to the clinching State touchdown. Look at here at the box score. A couple of field goals, I- I'm going to assume, by Justin Canal, who uh, is a very famous Bulldog. State actually uh, jumps out to a, what is this, 6-13-0 lead. Ole Miss get, cuts uh, scores in the fourth quarter. They cut it to a, uh, I'm sorry, they made it, a, they took the lead 14-13, to and then uh, State gets the lead back on a Hoyle Grange run, one-yard run. I mean, again, these numbers are just hilarious. State had, State had 11 first downs and 189 yards of total offense. Wow. <laughs> just, just such a different game back then it's crazy but like i said the historical significance of finally getting off the schneid and and taking Ole miss and getting i mean i would like without i would like to know and it's it's probably Ole miss would definitely have the lead in it but what is the series overall since this game yeah you know it's probably not more than four or five games Ole miss's way I, I can't remember what it was since they've gone to campuses, but uh, it was fairly it's, even. I think Ole Miss last year evened it up with that yeah. with, with the campus thing. I mean, just and I quick. think they probably lead after that, if I had to guess, because in the seventies they had a little run, didn't they? 
the 70s were kind of split. The 80s, Ole Miss was way ahead. And then, so Ole Miss leads the all-time series by 19 games. So, you know, obviously this sounds kind of funny. It's You can't do it, but take out the 18-game losing streak. And, yeah. and Ole Miss is up by one. This this period is when the 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 uh the they really got that. And then like I said, you're three and seven against them in the 80s from 80 to 89. I mean, just not not a good stretch for the Bulldogs. But this day, can you imagine what it was like for state fans that day? Like uh, what I was, was going to church that. like on Sunday? You've been going to church your whole life at you know, the first Baptist church of wherever. And every Sunday after the Egg Bowl, you got to come in there, and those Ole Miss fans are just giving you hell. And finally, I mean, you you know, after 18 years, you get to walk in with your head held high and say, "We got you, man." That you talked about some... you talked about your granddad, and he was like, "I'm not coming back to this yeah. game ever this again." Why? Like, I, I wonder what he was like that day. If he was going to the church, the, the Orthodox Church in Vicksburg, St. George, he was probably insufferable that day. Because that thing was packed with <laughs> Ole Miss fans. I think my family were the only state fans in there. So he probably walked around just <laughs> he put an extra twenty in the collection plate that day. It's well, like, hey you know, there, Mr. Johnson. Well, yeah, Mr. Abraham and Mr. Nasur and Mr. Habib and all those. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> I would I would love to see that. It's good stuff. So all right, so that's number uh, nine on our countdown. Uh we'll do two we'll do a game tomorrow. Big game tomorrow. Very hot game is what I will tell you. Very hot. Very hot. But it's a start of, a, of the era is what we'll call it. All right. That's tomorrow's show. Uh, Robbie will be back with me tomorrow, and we'll talk about that. Plus, we'll go ahead and we'll look ahead to the weekend. Mississippi State scrimmaging again. What do we want to see from that? And maybe some other stuff. You just don't ever know. For Robbie Falk, I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Talk Mississippi Media Production.